Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'm Elizabeth Reese. I'm Marjorie Punnett. And this is Best to the Nest, the podcast that is all about creating strong, comfortable, beautiful nests that prepare us to fly. Hi, Marjorie Punnett. How are you doing? Crazy week, huh? It's just been an all over the place week, but I've been so looking forward to this conversation today and the guest that we're going to talk to. I got the chance to talk with her last week for a few minutes and we could have chatted for an hour. And then I was like, we have to save this. We have to save this for the podcast. Um, stop so, talking. Stop, stop talking. talking. We have to save it. So we're, the topic today is flying solo is the name of the podcast today. And I'm really, delighted that we're having this conversation and how it's tying together with the conversation that we had last week with Gina Holiday, who is the woman behind Spoonful of Faith. So Marjorie, do you want to remind everyone about our latest initiative? Well, it's a beautiful thing and it's all from your little busy mind, your little (laughs) busy mind that was like, we need to create a poster. We need to create a poster. Marjorie, we need to create a poster. And you did. You found a wonderful artist who I have just fallen in love with her work. And we collaborated with her. And when I say collaborated, I just want to make clear, Gina Holiday was the artist. You and, and we I. we paid her a fee to create something. We paid her a fee to create something. That was the collab right there. Yeah, yes. And we gave her a little a little um, guidance. We wanted a cardinal on the poster. And we wanted the cardinal to be looking in a certain direction. Beyond that, Gina came up with something beautiful. But it really is a beautiful poster. In the center, it's it's sort of a, I would say, a very sort of, it's just a beautiful, flowy kind of wreath with a cardinal mm-hmm. sitting in the wreath. And in the center, it says, best to the nest. And what I loved about it, Elizabeth, it really was your vision. And you've talked about this, really yours and Jay's vision. Let's give Jay, your <laughs> husband, a little credit of he wanting something, a, a tangible reminder that we all want to bring our best to the nest, that we want to make sure that we're reminded in a way that it's a little mantra for the home, that this is where we need to bring our best. And I think Gina just created a beautiful little poster. We're we're selling them 8 by 10 and 11 by 14. They are so gorgeous. And it's an art print that, that you can then take and frame. I framed mine in a really cute gold frame from Target that was like 15 bucks. And it just looks like a million bucks. And I'm so excited about it. And I've been seeing it every day when I walk in. And I did want that reminder that this is the journey that we're all on right. in our household. And then we had a conversation with Gina about choosing art for your home and um, and how to find things that fit not only with your aesthetic, but even more importantly, that really speak to you and help support the kind of life that you want to create in your home. And when we talked with Gina, we knew that we wanted to have a component of the sale of this print that was uh, supporting uh, some organization that we felt really would have a nice connection to what we talk about on Best to the Nest and would kind of support the type of home-focused 
work that we do and that we focus on here. And there was an organization that came to mind right away, and it's called Emerge Mothers Academy. And so when you purchase the print, which I know a lot of you nesters already have, I'm getting tons of messages from people telling me, we, I ordered them, and I'm so excited for That's it to come. That's so fun. That's so it's fun. It's just really wonderful, and I can't wait to see photos of how people display these in their homes. But Emerge Mothers Academy is an organization that I learned about, I don't know, gosh, within the last year. And it's a nonprofit based in Minneapolis, St. Paul. And their mantra is really beautiful. It is it is equipping single mothers to emerge as confident women and caring moms. And we've been really open on this podcast about you know, the place that we come from in these conversations is our own lived experience and our own lived experience, particularly with raising our kids, is in a dual parent household and um, an understanding that that comes with some real benefits and some privilege. And I have often felt I don't like discomfort with leaving single mom families sort of out of the conversation. So Becca Erickson is um, the founding director of Emerge Mothers Academy, and she is joining us on Best to the Nest today so that we can have these conversations and also celebrate the work that Becca and her team at Emerge is doing. So Becca, welcome to Best to the Nest. Hey, ladies. Thank you. <laughs> we're so I happy hope that we're to able you. to give you a big check at the end of this. That is our goal. We want to be able to really financially support the work that you do and then also let people know more about what you're doing. So, Becca, let's start with kind of your heart for this work and and where that comes from. And I know that certainly comes from your lived experience, both as a child and then also as a parent. Yeah. I, if I sit and look at my work with these moms right now today, you know, it's the 200 plus we have enrolled right now. Wow. But if I look back at the humanitarian effort and the, and the desire and passion, it does, it comes from being raised by a single mom myself. Mm-hmm. And then after getting married, abruptly becoming a single mom uh, with my newborn and Oof. taking just the the amount of soul searching and the suffering and those really hard days where it's like, I have no one to tag out mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and wondering, is there a reason for all this? Could there be a purpose to all this? And can something good come out of this kind, this kind of rubble pile of ashes? Mm-hmm. And sometimes you just have to take your lived experience plus your education, you know, in counseling and psychology of my master's and, you know, experience with Target Corporation. All these things start pointing toward your mission in life. And so with my mom, uh, we co-founded together. I'm founding director. We just utilized our totally different skill sets. I mean, she's a retired registered nurse. And I'm just a big blabber mouth. And so we took her ability, (laughs) we took her ability to dot I's and cross T's and look at details and my ability to just run my mouth to anyone who will listen, um, and did some feasibility and, and looked at what are the social services or the government programs doing in Minneapolis and are they holistic enough to really address isolation? And to really address coming alongside a single mom yeah. and building community. You said something right at the beginning, which I want to I want to pick out a little bit because I think it's really important. I think you said there were some 200 women enrolled in your program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this year we have a big year. I mean, 2021 is rebuilding 
people are coming off this survival uh, and, and this long, this pandemic that never ends thinking, well, we're going to have to rebuild at some point. So it's going to have to start now. But last year was just awful. But I want everybody to note, you say 200 women. What does that mean in terms of the ripple effect of how many how many children? So it's 200 mothers. Yeah. How many children are we talking about? And then again, we can't stress this enough. When we're talking about single mothers, and we talk about families in general, we're talking about single mothers. Single mothers with one, two, three, however many children they have, what's the ripple effect of that of the work that you're doing? Well, guess what? That ripple effect is how you treat the mothers affects how they treat their children, affects how those mm -hmm. children go out into the world, how they behave in classrooms. I mean, there's always a ripple effect of work, like the kind of work that you're doing, that is so huge. I mean, we cannot yeah. underestimate you helping a single mother, what that does all the way down the line. And I, I just, I, I love that. So the mission is you have 200 women now, but then let's think about those kids. It just gets, the mission gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And like you said, I, I don't even know how Elizabeth made it through last year and COVID with a daughter starting kindergarten who part of kindergarten or the majority of it was on Zoom. I, now <laughs> let's look at a single mother who suddenly, when you say you want to tap out, all of us mothers know that we all feel like when September rolls around, we get to tap out a little bit from nine to three or whatever your kid's school day is. And then that was yanked away from these mothers. So, I mean, I just can't even imagine what 2020 and part of 2021 has been like for, for single moms. Yeah. It, you know, you can kind of look at your own experience and then just magnify that. And, yeah, and yeah. your, your one hard day as a dual parent is an entire catalog. That is the mom's only catalog is your one hard day alone. Mm -hmm. That's what she has. Right. I want to go back and make a point about the, the impact of kids. Uh, it was November of 2019. We surpassed a thousand kids served historically there you go. As, a, mm -hmm. as a byproduct. They're a part of it. And that day, as we looked through some of the data, you know, not everyone gets excited about numbers, but I looked at that number and was like, holy moly. Yeah. Over 1,000 kids have now been touched because their mom is on a new path for life. Yeah, right. that is amazing, Becca. When I think about what you said at the beginning, that word holistic always stands out to me because I think that's something that I'm always striving to incorporate into all aspects of care and, and life here in our household. And when I look at the services that are provided by Emerge, there are certainly those, you know, those basic connections in terms of things you need to make it through as a mother, right? You need diapers, you need stuff, you need, I love that you have a, a section here for if you need a car repair. Are you a single mother in need of a car repair? Email oh, us huge. for intake and the car repair application because all of those things are so important. But then beyond those basic needs, that's where I think the holistic part comes in is is the um, the work that you're doing to equip single moms with the confidence and the education and all of those resources in order to really make their households more beautiful and calm and successful and like this wonderful safe haven. So can you speak to that where you kind of went like, that's where a real need is? I know that's a big part of your passion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In branding our name, Emerge Mothers Academy, we knew we didn't want to be uh, Emerge Safe Harbor, Emerge, because we wanted it to be this place 
where you come and you are educated and you are advocated for and you learn a lot of skills and you can like graduate and leave that and go do it now. Yeah, go yeah. home now and provide stability and independence and start showing some great skills of resilience and perseverance to your kiddos because that's a huge education for them, you know, or for them to see you bring home a paycheck mom uh, for the dignity of earning dollar signs. That's going to tell your kids something. That's a big message. So yeah, is there Maslow's hierarchy of needs, especially last year? Yep. We were kind of focused on rent and food and phone calls and we were bringing bouquets of flowers just so women oh. remembered that they were, that they were women. Yeah. Um, you're not just a, a lady clicking into seesaw or zoom for your kiddo. Oh, uh, you're also a woman and we want to bring you some flowers. And then once you feel like the flowers got you a little more stabilized, then I might ask you how your heart is doing. And then after that, I might ask you if in 2021, you want to look for a job. Yeah. So it's very holistic. It's very much about your tangible needs and then your goals and then your growth. And how do you transform as a human who's been betrayed or left or lost a spouse or has gone through death? Um, and as we move through all of those feelings and that grief and that change, how do we, for the kids' sake, become a very enlivened, enriched mom. And to be a mom is a, it's a spiritual haven. It's an emotional haven. It's a nurturing haven. And you can't do any of that if you don't even have diapers. Right. So we treat the whole thing as, right. you know, this entire hierarchy of taking agency over self to say, well, here's who I'm going to become. Yeah. It's hard to think about who you're going to become when you're just trying to think about diapers, food, and getting your car fixed. You know, it's hard to dream, oh, sure. I think, when you're thinking about those things. You, again, said something which I think is really important. See, you just do that. You just say things that are important. She's got, but I think, yep. I know. I She's really so, good. I think sometimes when we we just say single moms. Okay, so we, we did that at the beginning of the podcast. We were talking about how that's not our life experience, but we're trying to be sensitive to that. It's somebody's life experience. And then you said something which I just think is so important, which is most of the time, when you become a single mother, it doesn't happen under good circumstances. So, and that's really important to think about is that at that point when somebody's becoming a single mom, there's a grief, there's a brokenness that often comes with that at the start of becoming a single mother. And it goes back again to your holistic approach of finding women where they are in that. Is it a divorce? Is it a death? Is it a betrayal? Is it economic? Whatever that is. But that's a that's such an important little piece of of truth that I think brings even more empathy in in the idea that we all know it's hard to be it, but sometimes I think we gloss over that just even becoming it was so difficult. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I think yeah, that's I don't have a, an easy entry story of a single one of our moms. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it it's always abrupt or chaotic or lost. And, you know, even for a teen mom, okay, so she wasn't married, but do you think she was signing up to do this whole thing alone? Right. Right. Becca, let's, um, let's talk about some of these challenges that you see that are, you know, that are things that maybe you notice that are patterns in homes. I I think every home has challenges, right? I mean, but particularly unique to this, to the single mom family that you go, okay, this is something that we consistently see 
and and then how do we start to overcome that? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is always trying to understand that inside of the either perceived or the real isolation that a mom is feeling or that we as a community project on her, right? So let's think about that for a second. Yeah, yeah. Inside of that, she's juggling the same things that, you know, you've maybe experienced in a dual parent home and she'll do those things alone all the time, every day, over and over. Mm -hmm. And why is it for Pete's sake that we can't be like, I know so-and-so is a single mom getting her kid to soccer and here I am driving to soccer for Pete's sake. What's wrong with me that I'm not just telling her I'm driving your kid. Yeah. It's not even a question. Like, should I, should I drive your kid? Why aren't we just saying, I, I know how hard it is for me. And I'm assuming it's double the, the the hardship for her. Mm -hmm. And we forget about in our own crazy schedules that there's someone else who probably needs our help even more. Oh, I love and that. And she's doing this with uh, distance learning last year. Yeah. Um, how are three kids supposed to share mom's phone to accomplish school? And whether or not mom was even furloughed or laid off, well, every mom, 100% of our moms, you guys, had to go home because of school and daycare closure. Right. That's what sent all of them home. Mm-hmm. And then wow. they're supposed to use their phone to try to do their job. Oh, but wait, all three kids are sharing that phone to try to log into Schoology or Seesaw or Zoom. Well, um, are we serious right now? Yeah, it was impossible. The disparity just, it was exacerbated by the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Well, even you just saying everybody sharing mom's phone is acknowledgement that a lot of these households don't have a laptop. The idea that these kids, it didn't even occur to me that kids would try and be using a phone to click into their Zoom class or oh, whatever yeah. they were trying Tons to do. Tons of kids. Yeah, tons of kids. And it was, and then, you know, I mean, even when you think about being, Becca, I mean, in some cases it was being furloughed or laid off. I I don't know which was worse, that or then having to go to work and having to figure out, well, how am I going to do that? How do I go in? How do you do it if you have a job where you go and then you've got kids at home during doing school? It's impossible, Becca. I mean, it was completely impossible. But they couldn't. None of them chose to go to work when their kids were home because who's going to be like, well, I'm mama bear, but I'll try to find a different den whose mom might be educating and throw you into her den so I can go to my job where I might get sick. And bring that home and bring that home to my kids. Yeah. Yeah. It was completely unsustainable and, and really, um, and, and continues to be. I mean, it's it's such a big challenge. Where do you go, you know, with some of these moms when you're seeing, you know, you've got 200 moms enrolled right now. And when, when they can get kind of those baseline needs met that you are helping take care of, and then we can kind of go to that next level of building something. What's happening with moms in those situations? Yeah. I mean, we have moms who have stabilized or attempted to maintain enough stability throughout last year that 80% of our moms who were eligible to receive their job back are back. And others are like, well, I'm just going to take this as a fresh slate and I'm going to enroll in the financial literacy courses that you guys have at Emerge Mothers Academy. And after that, I'm going to go through work prep so I can level up in my job. 
you know, I might've been an administrator in my job before, but I think I could become, you know, the senior rep. I'm starting to realize like I have a lot of skills. And so I'm ready to kind of go to that next level that allows me to push my goal. Mm -hmm. Like my good enough from 2019 isn't really good enough anymore. I'm, I'm capable of way more. How do women find you? Yeah. In the first year, you know, we were doing this whole like, hey, we've got a group of 19 moms. Let's ask what kind of services would actually impact them. I knew from my mom and my story what I would want, but I was like, let's go down Minneapolis, get a diverse group of moms and say, what do you need? And then those 19 women told their friends. Mm -hmm. And then we got onto Facebook and Instagram and our website. And then Google Analytics will track for us to how many clicks we have on our website and how many convert into phone calls. And so we're just getting a lot off of the internet too. That's, That's really great. great. Do you, are you seeing then now that transition where, you know, you've been doing the work and now you went from 19 moms to 200 moms and the, and the difference in kids. Like, I want to know about that, that sort of dynamic of the nest, Becca, that, that you see shift, because I have to imagine that you, you kind of feel like a, maybe a lightness as women start to feel like, oh my gosh, I'm not just trying to keep my head above water all the time. Mm, yeah. There are some who, when they say a goal and we never like doubt them for a second that they're going to go for it. Moms have Hmm. grit. Moms have grit because (laughs) they've got little eyes looking at them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so when they achieve those goals, whether it took a year, two years, when they achieve those goals, you know, we kind of all look at each other and be like, and that folks is why we're here. (laughs) That's great. The best was one day on our... Oh, there's so many good stories. But one day on our board, like our communications board, one of the middle schoolers had grabbed some chalk and wrote, drew this tree and wrote this note about how so many kids have been impacted by Emerge Mothers Academy and I'm one of them. Mm. And Mm. it just like, it gives you goosebumps. It gets tears in your eyes and you realize the alumna and the children of the alumna have so much to tell of their stories. They're not even our stories to tell. It's their story to tell of how they've overcome so much and set these big goals and they were unrelenting until they reached them. That's amazing. I think even just having somebody not doubt that you can achieve it because I think for a lot of women, it's scary to even set a goal because you don't believe that anybody will think that you can do it, particularly if you're dealing with a low income situation. And if you're a person of color, I mean, then you're adding in all of these different elements of self-doubt and generational trauma and all of these, all of these different things. And to see kids really recognize the work that their moms are doing and seeing that spill over into impacting the whole home has to be just the most rewarding thing. Becca, when you think back to your experience as a single mom and then being raised by a single mom, do you, is there a point of like of pride of we did this or we, we can do this? I mean, what, what's the emotion looking back at those experiences? Well, I, I, I look at being a kid in the eighties and we raised ourselves, you know, yeah. there wasn't anyone calling being like, I think those kids are all sharing a can of LaChoy and all they do is ride their bikes around town, you know, like hmm. nobody cared. And that there was some freedom in that, you know, yeah. I grew up playing Monopoly against myself. Oh. Um, 
But she's like, who cares? That shapes some character. Don't give me any pity about that. But I think <laughs> that sort of changed in my time as a single mom to think I'm supposed to have Carter's socks with a matching outfit on her. And, you know, I'm just trying to make sure that at least chicken nuggets are three of the meals out of the week and not seven. Mm-hmm. But everyone is wondering if I'm going to put her in a cute outfit. And it's like for I, for Pete's sake, how can anyone keep up with that when your your catalog of every single day is trying to go to work and go to school and then make supper for her and put her down and, and then stay up and try to get the bills paid and then do the whole day all over again? Yeah. And, and that even now is 13 years ago. And you look at moms now and they're wrestling with like, what's the ideology of truth? And how do you tell kids what's true and what's good and what's not? And our neighbors don't think that. And I'm trying to do this alone as a mom. And mm-hmm. it's like, wow, I I can't believe I was so concerned about her eating chicken nuggets. Uh, the, the things we're all trying to navigate as moms and then to do that alone is, is daunting. Mm-hmm. When, when you became a single mother and you were raised by a single mother, there seems, and I'm not going to say it was a pattern, but there was a generation. I mean, that's two generations of, of single moms. Is that something you see mm-hmm. within your client base, that there's a generation connection in any way that a lot of the single moms you see were also raised by single moms? Or is that not really? Because I think that's a difficult thing. I think it must have been. I wonder how difficult it was for your mom to see that knowing what she had been through to see it again. And is that because it was both of you, do you think that's what made was sort of the secret sauce of the success of what you're doing now together? Yeah. I mean, I think what, what she and I have both taken away from it and now she's grandma to the next generation. And I think both of us feel very compelled to give my daughter a strong worldview on relationships and commitment. And if nothing else, we just really want it to stop with her. You know, we, we believe that the strength of our country comes out of great households and and strong homes. Um, so of course we want that for her, but yeah, and yes, my mom was the first in all the generations that we have recorded, uh, to be a divorced mom. Um, and then it repeated itself and the irony behind it repeating itself is like all through high school, I wouldn't date and I refuse to ever be married. Um, Right. And I think that's just sometimes how you take this hypervigilant pendulum swing yeah. to go against what you were raised with. And then generations repeat themselves because a familiar story is a familiar story. And right, so right. is it common? Yeah. Repetition is common with our moms. Um, but we also believe that there's a lot of power in taking agency over yourself to say, like, is that system a system you still want to be a part of? Right. And is do you still want to subscribe to that belief or do you does your heart really desire to stay in an intact marriage and raise your children together if it's healthy, right. if it's safe and healthy? Exactly. It's interesting that you say that, Becca, because we talk a lot about here, you know, a lesson that I learned from a practitioner that I was working with years ago is that the opposite of what you want or rather, the opposite of what you don't want is not what you want. That you have to get to a neutral place with what you don't want in, still in, in order to figure out what you really want. Because what, then it's like this dichotomy of like, like you're talking about that, of you being in high school and saying, I'm never going to get married. I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to be in a relationship. Because what you didn't want was the breakdown 
of the relationship that you'd seen. But in order to get to a more neutral place, you can figure out what you really want, which is, you know, a happy, healthy, relatively normal relationship. It's not the opposite of what your parents had. It's just something different than than what they had. And I think teaching people to kind of step back a little bit from their experience and like you talk about working through that grief and working through the, um, you know, the feeling of loss and, and dealing with the betrayal and all of those different things that really, I mean, that's the key work that I think helps people be able to get to the next space of what they, of what they really want. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. I mean, you look at the momentum behind a pendulum swing. And like you said, if it's not on one extreme, it has so much momentum behind it. It will swing the other extreme, which gives you no frame of mind to have a neutral view or a worldview about relationships and what's healthy and what lasts. And so if you don't come to that place of neutrality to decide what is commitment and what am I willing to work through versus what's a non-negotiable. There's certain levels of betrayal and abuse that I think most people still agree are non-negotiables. Now, right. I, I can't speak for everyone, but again, if you don't get even to a neutral place in your grief, grief of that, then you stay attached to that person either through immense attachment and love or tremendous anger. Yeah. And so then how are you going to co-parent if, if he's even in the picture? Right. Yeah. And, and this goes back to, again, where we started, which is a holistic approach is, yes, somebody might need their car fixed, but there's so much more to the story, to every woman's story about how to get to the neutral place, to how to get to a balanced place, to how to get to a peaceful place, which takes us all back to best of the nest. And the way that you contribute to that for single mothers is the main reason why uh, our poster, we hope, benefits Emerge Mothers Academy in a very big way. Um, I just, I so much admire what you're doing. It's really, really cool. Thank you. Yeah, we're all just so honored to be a part of their stories. You know, these moms are the heroes and the rest of us get to be really good cheerleaders on the sidelines. And that isn't that a beautiful thing to say? And that's, you know, that's, Becca, I think something really important that if you've thought about, you know, what, where you began, which was telling us like looking around at your community and seeing a single mom and just stepping in and helping to take some of the load off. And then at the end, your comment about being the cheerleaders, that's something that you are doing, but I think that's something that we can all do to really look around and, and cheer for those who are doing it alone and also step in and um, and try to lift some of that load for them is really amazing. So, uh, Becca, before we go, I want to make sure that people know, too, that you are having um, a really great benefit coming up on October 5th at, like, the coolest place ever. So please tell us so people can get involved. <laughs> yes. It's our annual fundraising event, and it's our 10th annual. Oh, you guys, yes. we're a decade old. It's <laughs> so fun. So fun. Um, it's going to be at Brother Justice Whiskey Distillery up in Northeast Minneapolis, October 5th. You can learn more about it at EmergeTwinCities.org or we're all over social media as Emerge Mothers Academy. Yeah, That's you're just wonderful. doing amazing work. And um, 
I was really just happy to get to share your story and what you're doing. And again, you can go to spoonfuloffaith.com. Um, and we have it listed in our show notes as well, uh, where you can click to buy the print that is, um, you know, supporting Gina's business and then also adding to the funds that are being raised for the work that Emerge Mothers Academy is doing as well. And then you can have that tangible reminder that this is something that you can work on in your home and, and have that journey. And we just really appreciate that you're along for the ride with us. These conversations are really important. Becca, thank you for your time. Thank you, Becca. Thank you. I just want to, I want to appeal one thing to your, to anyone that buys that print. When you yes. look at that cardinal, can you just hold in your heart and mind a mom who is a mom led family and ways that you can support her? That's your single cardinal sitting on that, on that print. Oh. And just how, how can you intervene in the life of a mom and, and cheer on her child at their sport and get them, get them a positive influence? Okay, well, now I'm crying, Becca. Honest to goodness. Oh, that's beautiful. (laughs) I will never look at that cardinal in the same way. I love that, Becca. If you're enjoying this podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and give us a review at Apple Podcasts. Elizabeth? You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Best of the Nest or go to bestofthenest.com. We are the podcast that brings you home. To be your best every day, you need proven quality sleep every night. Science proves your best sleep is vital to your mental, emotional, and physical health. And that's where the Sleep Number Bed comes in. And let me tell you, ever since I've had it, my Sleep IQ score is just going higher and higher. And did you know 8 out of 10 couples say that one of them sleeps too hot or too cold? Science tells us regulating your sleep temperature leads to higher quality sleep. For many couples, temperature struggles are a real challenge. So here are some tips to help you both sleep just right. Look for beds designed with temperature benefits such as the new Sleep Number Climate 360 Smart Bed that actively warms and cools each side so you both sleep blissfully comfortable. And now save 40% on the Sleep Number 360 Special Edition Smart Bed. Plus, special financing for a limited time. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com slash podcast one. Sleep Number, the official sleep and wellness partner of the National Football League. Subject to credit approval, minimum monthly payments required. See sleepnumber.com for details. Grab a 30-day free trial of Live by Live Plus and you'll get unlimited skips, commercial-free music, and all of the podcasts and live streaming events you can handle. Visit livexlive.com slash podcast one to learn more and start your free trial.